Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's great to be back with you after a week away, and I'm looking forward to um, speaking to you today as we come to the close of our sermon series that we're calling Be Bold, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. Today we're talking about prayer and being bold in prayer, but before we get to that, let me read the passage, the scripture passage that I'll be focusing on today. This comes from the book of Acts, and it's from the fourth chapter. I'm going to read verses 23 through 31. So hear these words. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, Why did the Gentiles rage, and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. May God's blessing be on the reading and living of living out of this word. So several years ago, I went to a conference, a church conference, and before the main part of the conference, they had a pre-conference. I frankly don't remember what it was about. It was kind of a general congregational development gathering. And I was there with a colleague who was from my area here in Northern Illinois, and I saw him and sat near to him as they were speaking about what was going to be taking place. And uh, at one point in the um, speaker's uh, presentation, he asked all of us to turn to a neighbor and to begin to pray with one another. Like, what are the things that are on your heart? What are the things that you're hoping God will reveal to you? Or what are, how are you wanting to be inspired during this time? So whatever it is that you want to lift up in prayer with somebody else, um, turn to your neighbor and do that now. So, you know, even though people in the ministry do this for a living at times, to be honest, it sometimes can feel a little awkward, like, oh, okay, well, we're gonna, really going to pray now. And I was fairly new in the ministry, and so I felt a little self-conscious about this, but I turned to my colleague, who I knew, not real well, but I knew, and I said to him, I said, so what would you like prayer for? And as I turned to him, people were beginning to pray with one another, and he looked at me, he said, you know... I don't really think this is necessary. I don't really find it all that uh, helpful or important. And I just <laughs> sat there thinking, oh, and I felt a little embarrassed. Like at first, like I thought, oh, did I say something wrong? Or, oh, is this only prayer? Is that only something for uh, those who haven't gone to seminary and feel like they need this as a crutch or whatever it is? So we just kind of sat there and awkward silence while people were praying around us. And 
That scenario has stayed with me uh, throughout my whole ministry as I've hopefully matured a bit and realized the importance of prayer. And I feel and felt a little sorry for him as he felt like prayer wasn't something that was needed and certainly wasn't needed in that time and place. And so on the one hand, you could probably understand where he's coming from. I mean, prayer doesn't really make sense, does it? At times, anyway. You wonder, am I closing my eyes? Am I just saying a few words? Is this some sort of magic trick where if I say just the right words, then automatically things are going to happen? And I have a feeling in his own mind, that's kind of what prayer was. But now as I'm into my ministry, I know that prayer is more than just that, more than saying a few words, more than an incantation for hopes that things will just automatically go your way. Prayer is indeed a mystery, and uh, obviously many books have been written about what prayer is and isn't, and how do we pray correctly, and what does it mean to have prayer as part of your life. So I want to reflect on this with you today, especially as part of this sermon series that I mentioned earlier. We talk, we're talking about what does it mean to be bold in different aspects of our faith? What does it mean? We've talked about what does it mean to be bold in, our, in hope? What does it mean to be bold in... Uh, giving. Uh, and so today we want to talk about what does it mean to be bold in prayer? This is particularly true and helpful for my own site at Urban Village. A few months ago, we took, or we asked individuals from our different locations to take a discipleship survey to kind of see where they were in their own walk of faith. And part of that was talking about what are some things that you would like to know more about, or what are some things that seem Uh, unclear to you that you would like to develop. And each of the different sites had uh, answers that were the most popular, the ones that stuck out the most. And for us at UBC South Loop, it was prayer. Two-thirds of the individuals who took the survey named prayer as one of the things they'd really like to know more about or to develop in their own faith lives. So this sermon comes along at a really good time as we think about it Uh, for our own site, but I would imagine and hope that it's still true for all of you, too. I know I am always wanting to learn more, even though I've developed certain practices, consistent practices in my own life. So prayer is something that is is near and dear to my heart now, and I'm looking forward to sharing more with you today. And this passage from Acts is a good guide for us. Frankly, the whole chapter or whole book of Acts is helpful for us. So let's take a quick look at at what Acts is. For those who don't know, it's the fifth book of the uh, New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Uh, John kind of interrupts some things because actually most scholars believe that the author of Luke also is the author of Acts. And so I think that's important for us. So when we read Luke, uh, and we can also get a sense that this is connected to Acts in some way. So when we look at the very beginning of Acts, um, we find the disciples are a little lost. At the very beginning of this book of the Bible, it tells us that uh, the resurrected Christ has ascended into heaven, and the disciples are all standing there. And then two men in white robes, uh, are they're standing by them, and the disciples are just a little bewildered, and they're looking up in the skies, and these two men in these white robes essentially tell them, look, what are you looking at? Uh, it's time to get to work. So now... We can probably uh, relate a little bit to these disciples, or we can understand if they're feeling like, well, now what do we do? (laughs) We had based all of our lives around uh, Jesus and him telling us how to go about our lives. And so um, verse 12 in chapter 1 tells us that they return, that they go back to Jerusalem. 
and they go back to the room upstairs where they were staying. And then the very first thing that they do, verse 14, is this, that they constantly were devoting themselves to prayer. The very first thing that the author of Acts, Luke, the author is telling us that they do is that they're constantly devoting themselves to prayer. I want you to remember that. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. So we see the importance of prayer throughout the book of Acts. In fact, some form of prayer is mentioned in Acts 33 times. Uh, And according to the New Revised Standard Version, this is the most in the New Testament. Of all of the books of the New Testament, prayer is mentioned the most in the book of Acts. It's number two, a little trivia here, it's number two throughout the whole Bible. Psalms is the number one with prayer being mentioned 69 times. But we can see here that prayer is so vital in the book of Acts. So we see that uh, this does something to them. Like, Making prayer such a central part of who they are does something to them. So today, moving ahead a bit in Acts 4, we see here there's a scene where Peter and John, these two disciples, have gone back to their community, and they're telling them something amazing has happened. And this is what's happened. The religious authorities of Jerusalem have heard what Peter and John have been doing. They've been healing people. They've been witnessing about Jesus in public. They've been speaking about the resurrection. And the authorities had had enough. And so they arrested them and brought them in front of the text the scriptures tell us, brought them in front of rulers, elders, and scribes. And they imprisoned them. And they bring them out, and the authorities are trying to figure out, well, what do we do with these guys? Lots of people are hearing about them, hearing about the healings that they've been doing. We can't really arrest them again, but let's just bring them in. We'll let them go, but they tell them, don't do it again. Don't do these things again. Just keep quiet, and we won't put you in prison. And then Peter and John's response in verses 19 and 20 in chapter 4 is this. They say, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. So that's the setup of the passage that we read today. They have done all of these miraculous things. They've been told to be quiet, but they have said we cannot keep from speaking about Jesus, about the resurrection, about the difference that he can make in people's lives. So then they come back and tell their friends. And again, one of the first things that they do, notice here, is they worship, they pray. Attesting to the power of God, this form of worship. And then at the end, we see here at the end of verse 31, it says, again, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I would imagine when you ask most Christians, like, what is your experience of prayer? And many of them would say perfectly good answers. They would say, well, I feel more at peace. I feel less anxious. I feel more connected to God. And if people are honest, they would probably also say, I didn't really feel a whole lot that time. I fell asleep. I didn't know what I was doing. My mind was going in so many different places. So to be honest, I didn't feel much at all. If you were to ever ask Christians, so when you prayed, Did the place where you were gathered together shake? Were you filled with the Holy Spirit? If after praying, did you speak the word of God with boldness? I would imagine most good, respectable Christians would say, well, that's that's the Pentecostals. That's another form of Christianity. They're a little crazy, 
And so we don't really pray like that. And so we may skip over something like this to see the power of what prayer can do in our own lives. And when we skip over that, even good, respectable Christians, we miss out. We miss out on, I think, one of the messages of the book of Acts, how central prayer is and should be in the lives of these first followers of Jesus. What is your own experience of prayer? And it's been interesting since the horrific shooting at the church in Texas. And I've been reading some articles about people who criticize those who will usually on social media say something to the effect of, you know, the those who are affected are in my thoughts and prayers. And people are getting a little fed up with that phrase, like thoughts and prayers. What does thoughts and prayers mean? I think for some, they believe that when people say thoughts and prayers, that really is just an excuse for not doing anything, for not getting in there and, and making sure that we are acting out in different ways to make sure for like violence like this uh, does not occur, that we are putting pressure on our legislators to do things. Thoughts and prayers, what does that do? But I think perhaps we also don't really think about, well, what does thoughts and prayers mean? What does prayer mean? Does prayer actually make a difference in our lives? And again, I ask the question, what has been your own experience of prayer? Is it kind of tacked on to something. You tack it on to the beginning of a meal. You tack it on before you go to bed at night. Has your experience of prayer in your life been somewhat meek and mild? Is it your experience of prayer something that, you know, it's really probably that lead that to the professionals, like pastors. Often when I'm in a gathering, people will look to me to say the prayer. Back in a previous church, we had a, a silent auction. Uh, people were bidding on certain things as a fundraiser. And one year I said that I would write a Thanksgiving prayer for your family. That was one of the things that was uh, up for auction. And somebody won the the prayer. And uh, later on, they were disappointed that they learned that it was just me writing the prayer. And they thought I was actually going to come to the Thanksgiving dinner and pray. And I felt a little bad <laughs> that they thought that. But again, I think perhaps it's... it's the prayers that we say will be fine, but let, when you bring in the professional, then it'll really be something. So again, what has been your experience of prayer? And when we talk about praying boldly, what the heck does that mean? What does that look like? What does praying boldly mean? Does it mean just praying louder? I'm going to show a clip of movie clip, and I'll put this in the Podbean page to send you to this clip uh, from the movie The Apostle that came out probably about, actually coming up on 20 years ago. Uh, and there's a scene in the movie where this evangelist named Sonny is uh, distraught in his own life. He has been far from a perfect person. He suspects that his wife has been unfaithful. And so he goes to God in prayer in his bedroom, and he just keeps shouting. He walks around his room, and he's just like, he talks to God as if God is right there, and he talks in very plain language, saying, God, I'm mad at you. I love you, but I'm mad at you. Tell me what to do. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to lay hands on myself. Tell me what to do. And this goes on for a good minute of Sonny just talking to God in this way, and he's speaking pretty loudly. And in fact, there's then a scene where the phone rings, and Sonny's mother answers the phone, and a neighbor is complaining that Sonny is praying too loud, but people need to get some sleep. So when we think about praying loudly or boldly, we may think, well, it's like this. That's like praying boldly. And again, we think, oh, I am not going to stand in my bedroom and yell at the top of my lungs like this. 
But I think perhaps it's not necessarily how Sonny is doing it, but we maybe can get a sense of for him, prayer is central. He is not a perfect person. I don't mean to hold him up as a paragon of virtue if you've ever seen the movie. But I do believe in his own ways, prayer is central in his life. It is not something that is just added. And that, I think, is what praying boldly is all about. It means to make prayer central to your faith life. It's not a way that you pray. It is not a certain style of prayer. It is making prayer central, making prayer central in your life and believing that it makes a difference. That is praying boldly. You know, I don't have a ton of experience of renting cars, but I know whenever I rent a car, and if you've had this experience too, you may have waited in line a long time. You just want to get your keys and get going to wherever it is that you're headed. But as rent-a-car businesses do, they are wanting to increase their revenue, and so they give you different options. And on Sunday, I'm going to ask folks, what are some things that they want to add to your to your bill? And I can think of a few things. Maybe there's that um, service where you prepay for the gas refill so that you can bring it back near empty and you're not charged. Um, they will often ask if you want to add insurance to your ride. They may want to ask you, do you want to upgrade like a little bit bigger car? Or maybe if you are traveling, you'll be traveling where there are tolls. They'll want to give you and sell you one of those toll sensors. Now, I don't mean to, to speak poorly of rental car companies. You know, this is what they're trying to do. But all of these things are extras. It's not the main thing. You want to just get in and rent that car. And I sometimes fear in our faith lives that prayer is an extra. That's not the main thing, or at least one of the core things of our faith. It's something that we just add on. It's a luxury. If we have time for it, we'll put it on there. But praying boldly means that it can't just be something that's a luxury. It has to be a core of who we are. It has to be something that we engage in on a regular basis, however we do it. We're coming up in the season, two different, I think, places where people can say, I want a fresh start. I want to really think carefully about how we can engage in prayer. We're coming up on Advent. December 3rd is the beginning of Advent. And for churches, it's often the beginning of the church year. Advent is a great time to begin thinking about how can I engage in prayer so that it's more central in my life. Or if you want good old-fashioned January 1, that is something too. At my site, we're really going to focus on how can we make prayer more core, more of a core, more central to who we are as Urban Village. And we are going to do that as a church. What would it mean for us as a church? And I'll be talking to my folks about this, to prayer walk, to walk around neighborhoods and where we are and some of the surrounding neighborhoods, to spend an afternoon and walk around and pray for all of the buildings and the people in these neighborhoods. And people may look at us a little funny, but if we believe that prayer can make a difference, then we have to think about how this can be a core of who we are, a central piece of who we are. What does this look like for you? Now, we will be talking more in the future about all the different ways to pray. And I always tell folks, please, 
I'm happy to talk with you about how to make prayer more central. So many different resources about how you can do that. But I think the first thing to do is to commit to say, I'm going to make prayer a central part of my life. I'm going to turn on my phone. I'm going to start like five minutes. I'm going to turn on the timer. I'm going to sit in silence. I'm going to start praying like Sonny did. Like, Lord, I don't know. I'm mad at you. I don't know what's going on in my life. Whatever it is, to make that decision, to, I want to pray boldly. Starting with, I want to start on Advent. I want to start on Thanksgiving. I want to start January 1. I want to pray more boldly, meaning I want to make prayer a central part of my life. I want to follow in the footsteps of the first followers of Jesus who, when they were confused about what they to do, they constantly, constantly devoted themselves to prayer. That's praying boldly. It's not raising your voice necessarily. It's just saying this is important, and this is a key component of my life. May we all follow the example of these first followers of Jesus and make prayer central to who we are and how we live out our faith. Amen. Well, friends, thank you once again for listening. And I hope that wherever you are, that you will have a a blessed Thanksgiving, a time of reflecting and gratitude. Um, I'm going to be off uh, again next week, but we'll be back for the December 3rd Sunday. And so you can tune in then. couple things. You can always go to our Urban Village Podbean page and hear other preachers at Urban Village. Uh, Always some great opportunities to hear other folks reflecting on uh, our sermon series. You can also go to my own website, christiancoon.com, and there you can listen to my other podcast, my Feeling Boldly podcast, uh, and you can also um, read my blog, order my book, reach out to me. I'm always happy to connect with folks uh, in those ways. So until the next time we're together, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. Great God.